G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. Wongawili Colliery Mine Workers have won a spectacular win against Wollongong Coal after taking strike action. General President of the Mining and Energy Division of the Construction, Forest Mining and Energy Union, Tony Mayer, emphasises the importance of this win. The conversion of permanent, well-paid jobs into poorly paid, insecure jobs is a huge issue right across the country. What this win proves is that trend is reversible. If Labor hire workers join their union, we can turn this around. We finish our report with a look at the Port Kembla coal terminal dispute in the same area of New South Wales. But first, some union news. BHP's announcement its new in-house labour hire company, Operation Services, will move into Mount Arthur coal mine is a blow to local hunter mine workers, says the CFMEU. CFMEU Mining and Energy Northern District President Peter Jordan said that BHP's creation of a new subsidiary to employ workers on lower pay and conditions than the existing workforce was a cynical ploy by the mining multinational. BHP says it is responding to community concerns about casualisation and labour hire, but it is just driving down wages and conditions by other means, says Mr Jordan. If BHP was genuine, it would offer permanency under the existing Mount Arthur Enterprise Agreement to current labour hire workers, many of whom have worked for years at the mine as casuals. The CFMEU's concerns about the conditions offered under the Operations Services Employment Agreement include a roster that will encourage the use of non-local workforces, the OS agreement stipulates a seven-on-seven-off roster which is associated with the use of fly-in, fly-out and drive-in, drive-out workers. Workers at Mount Arthur currently work on a three-to-two roster which is designed for workers living locally to the mine. A condition that OS workers could be deployed to any BHP operation nationally at the company's discretion substantially lower pay than the existing permanent Mount Arthur workforce. Workers at Mount Arthur were caught off guard by BHP's announcement that it would introduce the new OS workforce at the site. The jobs that are being advertised at Mount Arthur are jobs that have traditionally been performed by the permanent workforce, said Mr Jordan. BHP is simply replacing external labour hire with an equally segregated and divided workplace arrangement under its in-house labour hire company, Operation Services. Our local workers and communities deserve better from BHP. In 2015, the Horizon decision of the Fair Work Commission set in motion the ongoing attack on wages and conditions being experienced by Australian workers in the name of productivity. We are back again with 
Australian Manufacturing Workers Union members employed in Horizons Bulk's business commencing stoppages and overtime bans from January the 18th in response to Horizons' agenda to rip hard-won conditions out of the Enterprise Agreement once again. The union says Horizon must return to the negotiating table and engage with the bulk employees seriously. The Maritime Union of Australia, the MUA, has accused large multinational companies BHB and Blue Scope Steel of using the January holiday period to quietly sack nearly 80 Australian seafarers and replace them with $2 an hour exploited foreign labour on the Australian coast. MUA National Secretary Paddy Crumlin said the union has been informed that the MV Maralula and MV Lowlands Brilliance would be dumped immediately, the last remaining Australian ships that have serviced BHP and subsequently Blue Scope Steelworks in this country for more than 100 years. Mr Crumlin said the two vessels move iron ore from BHP's mining operations in Port Headland to Blue Scope Steelworks in Port Kembla, then run coal to China before returning to Port Headland and qualify as cabotage trade. Cabotage is the internationally recognised laws that enable countries to service their own internal shipping needs with their own sailors. It's considered to be a issue of security. Mr Crumlin said that the decision has the potential to devastatingly affect Australian seafarers and will see Blue Scope's supply chain effectively removing Australian labour from the local Australian industry being replaced by highly exploited foreign crews paid as low as $2 per hour. (laughs) Workers employed by Hutchinson's ports in Sydney and Brisbane have voted overwhelmingly to commence broad-ranging industrial action, accusing the company of launching the most severe attack on waterfront conditions in a generation. The protected action ballot of Hutchinson Port workers from Port Botany and the Port of Brisbane, conducted by the Australian Electoral Commission, recorded 98.4% support for a series of rolling work stoppages, along with a range of other actions. The first round of industrial action involving bans and limitations started on Thursday, January the 17th. Negotiations over a new workplace agreement covering Hutchinson port workers in Sydney and Brisbane reached a stalemate after the company refused to back away from plans to slash wages and conditions, along with automating some roles and outsourcing other jobs. The Maritime Union of Australia said the company's demands include a 2.5% cut to superannuation, reductions to sick and parental leave, cuts to redundancies and long service leave, removal of income protection, wage cuts of up to $10 per hour followed by a wage freeze and reductions to safety standards including the loss of full-time first aiders and removal of personal protective equipment. MUA Assistant National Secretary Warren Smith said the attempt by this multinational port operator to slash the pay and conditions of Australian workers left them with no choice but to take industrial action. Last Thursday, a full bench of the Fair Work Commission gave its ruling on an appeal made by the CFMEU, the Construction, Forest Mining and Energy Union, after a colleague of the Fair Work Commission, Senior Deputy President 
Jonathan Hamburger refused to recuse himself from a case last year over whether three CFMEU officials were fit and proper holders of worksite entry permits. The CFMEU's request for him to stand down from the case came after he shared an anti-union tweet posted by former Federal Employment Minister Michaelia Cash. The tweet contained the headline, CFMEU notches up a hundred members before the courts, a century of shame, featured a graphic of Mr Shorten dressed in cricket gear, it accused Labor of objecting to the restoration of the Howard-era Australian Building and Construction Commission, the ABCC, with its tougher powers and penalties because the ALP receives millions in donation from the union. The full bench last week found that uh, we do not consider that the fair-minded lay observer might reasonably apprehend on the basis of the senior deputy president's retweet, which was primarily directed to Mr Shorten and in a subsidiary way at the CFMEU, that he might not bring an impartial mind to the question of whether the organisers were fit and proper persons to hold entry permits, the bench said. Mr Hamburger, a former advisor to John Howard's workplace minister Peter Reith, was a Liberal Party appointee to the Fair Work Commission in 2004. Since Kelly O'Dwyer became the Minister for Jobs and Industrial Relations, the Fair Work Commission has seen six new big business lobbyists being appointed. On January the 28th, Melbourne expatriate Irish nurses will be rallying in Federation Square in support of their Irish counterparts going on strike for wages and conditions on January the 30th. Almost 20,000 Irish nurses have left their homeland to find work since 2007, with Australia topping the list at 9,782, followed by Canada at 6,249 and the UK at 1,563. Almost 40,000 nurses, Irish nurses who stayed at home, are planning to strike for 24 hours on January the 30th in a dispute over pay and conditions and they have warned the dispute will escalate if it is not resolved, with a further five potential stoppages on February the 5th and 7th, and then on the 12th, 13th and 14th next month. It will only be the second national strike in the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation's 100-year history. The INMO General Secretary said going on strike is the last thing a nurse or midwife wants to do, but the crisis in recruitment and retention has made it impossible for us to do our jobs properly. We are not able to give patients the care they deserve under these conditions. Expat nurses have been supporting their fellow nurses with signs saying, give us something to come home to. If you wish to support the gathering on Monday the 28th at Federation Square, Melbourne, it starts at 7pm. Finishing on some positive news, in a world first, New Zealand passed domestic violence legislation on December the 30th. New Zealand passed a piece of legislation that will grant victims of domestic violence 10 days paid leave from work to enable them to leave their partners, find new jobs and protect themselves and their children. With a 63 votes to 57, MPs clapped and cheered as the World First Law was passed. You're listening to Stick Together. 
workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. In our feature today, we're going to talk with Bob Timms. Bob is the District Vice President of the CFMEU South Branch in New South Wales and he has been working with the Wongawili Colliery Mine Workers who have won a spectacular win against Wollongong Coal after taking strike action. This was an 100% casualised labour hire workplace, working at the lowest rates of pay for comparable work in the region. Let's hear from Bob Timms. So uh, thanks for talking to me today, Bob Timms, from uh, the Wollongong office of the CFMEU. You've been part of uh, the uh, uh, massive win at uh, Wongawili, the uh, coal miner colliery uh, connected to Wollongong Coal. Can you give us some background to that particular dispute? Yeah, I can. Thanks, Annie, and thanks for having me on today. Um, Look, you know... This coal mine um, has been down in our region and operating for, you know, close to 100 years. In actual fact, um, my grandfather and my father both worked at that coal mine, so I've got quite a bit of history there um, as a side note. Um, Look, what's happened is is generally it had been operated as a permanent mine. Um, When I say permanent mine is that the guys um, would have been um, employed directly by the coal company that operated the mine. Um, We had a multinational Indian company take over the operation of the mine, Back in 2015, they uh, uh, terminated the permanent um, workforce at the time and put the um, mine on what's called care and maintenance. Um, Sometime after they'd put them on care and maintenance, they employed a labour hire company to come in and operate the mine. Um, Unfortunately, that labour hire company, their um, employment model was um, casualised labour hire employees, which were the lowest paid labour hire employees in our region. Um, they were employed as casuals, but for all purposes treated as a permanent employee. You know, these guys never received annual leave or personal carers leave, but if they wanted the day off, um, they'd have to fill out an annual leave form and they will give them permission to go and have unpaid leave. If they wanted to have a sick day, they had to fill out a sick leave form, although they weren't paid sick leave. All of their conditions were... Um, substandard compared to other coal miners in our region. That's amazing. And uh, and it should be, uh, people should be made aware that we're talking about a site that was 100% casualised. That's right. So it was 100% casualised. Um, the only employees that were employed directly with the company were more um, senior management and a couple of um, tradesmen. Yeah. Now, uh, so what we're talking about is... Uh, all duty no, uh, and uh, without any regard for conditions at all for these people. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, our membership was very low when we first started. Um, you know, a lot of labour hire employees, when they first get a job, are told by the boss, don't worry about joining the union, they'll only get you in trouble. Um, you know, really put some pressure on the guys not to join the union. So we, um, we had 13 members when we first started um, looking at doing something with the Wongawili workforce. Um, we, um, we spent um, a lot of um, time with the guys. Um, we weren't allowed on the mine site, so we had to do right of entries, go up there and meet with the guys. We'd um, run a few barbecues off-site and the rest of it. We spent a lot of time with them and got them to understand, you know, that 
they didn't have to put up with the way they were being treated, that, you know, as a collective, we could negotiate an enterprise agreement and have them, you know, um, covered by similar benchmark-type conditions that the rest of the guys enjoy in our region. So we um, at all times allowed the guys to make the decision on how we're going to move forward. Um, we basically um, spoke to them got them, and got them confident that they could um, take the boss on and have a bit of a win and they didn't need to be exploited and they didn't need to be casual. Um, so, you know, in the long run, after about nine months, um, we met with them and said, hey, look, guys, we think it's time. We think it's time that, you know, we press the issue. Um, we were getting nowhere in negotiations. And to their credit, um, they all stood up and said, yep, OK, Bob, um, let's go. So, um, you know, we went and we run our parvo um, application in the Fair Work Commission. We got it up. Um, we actually got it up before Christmas. I said to the guys, look, you know, probably not the ideal time to go taking the boss on at the moment. Um, it's Christmas time. It's an expensive time of the year for you. Go off, have a good break, and um, we will uh, we will we will take take the boss on um, in the new year. And we've come back and we've done it. To start off with, we gave the company um, uh, seven days stoppage, so notice of a seven day stoppage. The company um, actually said, "Well, look, this is just the CFMEU making noise." Um, they'll never follow through with it, that um, they'll never do seven days. And, and it was, uh, yeah, the basic feel from the company was that, you know, if we lasted seven days, the guys would come back to work, apologise for taking industrial action, and that'd be the end of it. Um, when I informed the guys, um, our members, the first day, they said, well, if that's the case, if that's their attitude, give them another seven. <laughs> so um, we, we uh, gave the company notice that, that we would be extending the stoppage for a further seven days. I think that really um, shocked the company that these guys were actually standing up to them. And then um, from that, there was um, some negotiations in the background over two days and the company um, gave up to our demand and said, yeah, look, we just need to get the guys back to work. Um, yeah, we'll, give you the, we'll give you guys uh, what you've been asking for. So, you know, um, for us, for the CFMEU, it was a relatively um, short dispute. Uh, we're quite used to having um, lengthy, protracted industrial action and um, fortunate this time we didn't have to do that. Yeah, it's interesting because in the context of uh, the uh, issue of casualisation of people who are given rosters a year in advance, they get told they're going to be working for this amount of time. There's, you know, the court case that actually the CFMEU ran for a Queensland uh, uh, fly-on, fly-off uh, worker is that part of the uh, issues that uh, are flowing through for other workers as well, like in this dispute? Yeah, absolutely. So that Skeen um, versus Wetpack dispute um, or decision was, um, you know, a huge win that the mining um, unions took on and won. So, you know, and the reason why we did was, you know, we, we had to. It was a fight that we had to have. Um, the biggest abusers of labour hire in the country are um, the coal owners. And operators, you know, we've got um, mine sites down here who run more labour hire employees than what they do permanent employees. Um, it's the business model that they um, seek out and, and what they want. Uh, what we've found um, is that they actually contract the labour hire companies to employ them as casuals. We've had um, labour hire companies come to us and say, "Look, we've got a big turnover of labour at the moment. We'd like to be able to put the guys on permanent." to keep this labour, to keep these um, these guys with us, but the companies won't allow us. So the big companies, big coal companies are the ones saying, no, we want them casual. 
We, we want casual labour hire. We don't want you to put them on permanent. So, so this is an ideological decision to crush workers? Oh, look, absolutely. And it's not so much to crush workers. It's about um, control, Annie, you know. Like, if you're a casual that, you know, that, you know, if you don't do the right thing or if you speak up about safety or if you have too much time off because you've got sick kids or whatever it is, that the company can just come along and get rid of you. And that's what they do do. You know, we've had, um, for instance, guys that have been injured, they've reported the injury. Um, a couple of weeks later, they're no longer needed. We've had guys that have had, um, you know, workplace accidents through no fault of their own, through mismanagement, and, and they've been told that they're not allowed on site. So, you know, they've effectively been sacked, but they're not being sacked because... They're employed by a labour hire company. Now, the labour hire company then says, well, sorry, I can't place you anywhere. And, and they have to put them off. So, you know, what it's about, it's about putting a layer between the employer and the employee, you know. Um, so, like, if you peel back the onion, what you get is that the outside, obviously, you know, is the company. And then, you know, peel it, peel it off, peel it off. And in the end, you get to the bloody poor old work, worker in the middle. What, is, what it is, it's about... Um, uh, I suppose, you know, bypassing their obligations a lot of the time under the Fair Work Act or what, you know, part of the Fair Work Act does work, um, you know, their obligations around how easily they can get rid of someone, um, about having control, about not being, um, I suppose, put in a position where they could be seen to be entering into adverse action under the Fair Work Act by getting rid of someone who's exercised a workplace right, such as having time off to look after their sick family or going on holidays or having a workplace accident and not being discriminated against. You're listening to Stick Together, Union News Workers' Stories. We're talking to Bob Timms, District Vice President of the CFMEU South Branch in New South Wales. Bob is a busy man. The Wonga Willie workers taste victory, while down the road the workers at Port Kembla Coal Terminal, PKCT, have been in dispute for five years over their EBA. In December... PKCT workers walked off the job and took rolling industrial action over the Christmas period in a fight to protect permanent employees from being replaced by casual contractors. The workers were locked out over the last weekend as the dispute drags on. But as Bob Tim says, there is no sense in signing a deal that hands management a big axe and a licence to swing it at will. Now, you've just come back from another dispute that's going on at the moment. Can you explain to listeners what's going on in the other dispute that you're talking about? Yeah, well, look, um, this one lasts a little bit longer than the last one I just spoke about. This one is an absolute national crime, um, and every Australian worker should be up in arms what's happened. Um, this is a coal loader, um, probably one of the smallest coal loaders in our country, operates out of Port Kembla Coal Terminal on the south coast, We've been negotiating with um, PKCT for five years for a replacement enterprise agreement. Um, basically, the company um, have reached their mandate in negotiations on numerous occasions and gone back to their board, who are the owners, um, and seeking further mandate changes to further attack our um, members. So at the moment, um, it's about job security. Um, so... The uh, ports are funny set up. The owners are actually the customers. So PKCT would have you believe that they're making these changes to make a more streamlined um, uh, port for their customers, but the customers are the owners. 
So the big toll companies in our region own the port or operate the port, and they're also the customers. <laughs> so um, it's uh, a little bit strange to get your head around what they're actually doing. But we've basically got down to now that we've negotiated, um, as I said, for five years, over a, um, over 100 enterprise agreement negotiations with the company. We've been in the Fair Work Commission under a Section 240 bargaining dispute on well over 20 occasions. Um, the company is coming out and trying to remove a long-standing job security clause in the enterprise agreement that would allow them to um, sack uh, permanent workers and replace them with labour hire workers or casual employees. And they're also attacking the scope of the enterprise agreement. That's who's covered by the enterprise agreement. You know, surprise, surprise, two of our union reps are amongst the four they're trying to have taken out of the um, scope of the enterprise agreement and placed on common law contracts. Um, the reason why companies love common law contracts and that they drive to have that as their um, employment model is because um, it breaks up unity. You know, um, if you're not covered by an enterprise agreement, you're certainly open and more susceptible to being um, targeted with adverse action or, um, you know, you're just simply your employment terminated. So, you know, they, they don't do it because they're good guys. It's better for the boss and it's all about taking away um, union and the collective. Now, down at the ports that you've just come from, that there's a picket line. Yeah, so um, the, um, our members got locked out at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning. Yeah. Companies locked them out of their workplace and brought in an alternate um, workforce to load um, export vessels. And our guys are currently, um, yeah, they're sitting out on a picket line and they'll be out there for seven days. Right. And uh, if uh, listeners uh, want to show support and help, what can they do? Yeah, look, you know, if you get onto our um, Facebook site, so there's the CFMEU Mining and Energy Facebook site and the CFMEU Southwest District site, we put a lot of this sort of action stuff up on it. Um, you know, please get on there. We know the companies look at it and monitor it. Um, get on there and make some comments of support for our members in the union. As you're probably aware, the Labor government has said that they'll um, certainly fix up the wrongs with the Fair Work Act and, and um, you know, I suppose put the pendulum back in the middle for Australian workers. So, you know, the big, um, the, the, I suppose, you know, another thing that could help us out um, is that, you know, if you're a voter that's not real sure about which way you're going to vote and help us fix these bloody um, atrocious laws that we're trying to work under and the laws that the um, big companies are circumnavigating and attacking Australian workers with. Thanks, mate. Okay, thanks, Annie. Have a good day. You too. Bye. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks to Bob Timms for being part of the program. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and also at, on iTunes. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.